0: My friend, I am such a big believer that your mindset is everything. It can really dictate if your life has meaning, has value, and you feel fulfilled, or if you feel exhausted, drained, and like you're never going to be enough. Our brand new book, The Greatest Mindset, just hit the New York Times bestseller, back-to-back weeks. And I'm so excited to hear from so many of you who've bought the book, who've read it, and finished it already, and are getting incredible results from the lessons in the book. If you haven't got a copy yet, you'll learn how to build a plan for greatness through powerful exercises and toolkits designed to propel your life forward. This is the book I wish I had when I was 20, struggling, trying to figure out life, 10 years ago at 30, trying to figure out transitions in my life, and the book I'm glad I have today for myself. Make sure to get a copy at lewishouse.com 2023mindset to get your copy today. Again, lewishouse.com 2023mindset to get a copy today. Also, the book is on Audible now, so you can get it on audiobook as well. And don't forget to follow the show so you never miss an episode.
1: Don't ever try to convince people to like you. Be you, and then they'll decide. And if they like you, cool. If they don't get you, cool. But be yourself is going to be your best way. And that's been been one of those, like, flagpole things that I live off of, like, forget about it. Like, just... Don't worry about it. Just go up there and be yourself. If it, that don't work, then that's that's different. Right. But you trying to change, thinking you're gonna fit it so that they are gonna get you and you're gonna they're gonna love you because you changed your little way.
0: Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner. Greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome back everyone to the School of Greatness. Very excited about our guest. We have the inspiring, the iconic Cedric the Entertainer in the house. My brother,
1: what's going on? Good to see you man.
0: I'm so glad that you're here because I told you this when we had dinner months ago through a mutual friend Ruben. Yeah. uh, That I was living in St. Louis for six years during Kind of the golden era of St. Louis, where it was Nelly, it was the the Rams, Rams. and it was Cedric the Entertainer. Oh, man. Yeah. And uh, for me, being in that city during that time, uh, during the late 90s, early 2000s, was so exciting. And you were such a, at that time, really exploding onto the scene in a massive way and making a, a name for yourself in a big way. I told you before that I was a massive fan of Kings of Comedy and- I think i watched that probably 20, 30 times. Yeah. And um, the way you deliver your comedy, the way you communicate, the way you entertain is so magnetic. And how you've consistently showed up with a positive attitude, a positive energy for a few decades now is so inspiring to me and so many people. So I'm so grateful that you're here. And I appreciate the work you do. And uh, thanks for putting St. Louis on the map. Let's go, S-T-A-L, baby. (laughs) I love it, man. Uh, I'm curious. You've got a number of things that you've been working on uh, lately. One is your book, Flipping Boxcars, which I want to get into. You've got six seasons of The Neighborhood on TV right now. You've got Kings of Barbecue on A&E. You've got so many different brands and businesses going on. But I want to ask you about the transition from a career as a State Farm insurance agent <laughs> into comedy because uh, when I you told me this story yeah. I was just blown away that you used to be in insurance yeah and did you ever think that you would go beyond kind of a traditional career worked with an insurance company and being where you're at today and how did you make that transition and have the courage to it wasn't like comedy back then was like a big money maker. no Whereas there's a lot of younger guys today figuring it out with podcasting and touring and making a name for themselves with social media, you didn't have social media then, and you went for it. How did you make that transition?
1: You know, you know, that's it, it's really interesting because I grew up in a time where you know, generationally, uh, that was the motivation. Your parents tell your kids to go to college, you get a good corporate job, and then you live your life, you know, going up the corporate ladder. So, but that was basically the steps I followed. My mother was a school teacher uh you know so education was a big part of our household and so i have a younger sister who is a professor at at pepperdine right yeah and so uh, so that education was kind of like our vibe and then but i was always kind of creative you know again probably being the only male in the house i was that you know that dude trying to like figure it out you know like you know so um you know so i was always funny witty you know in high school i was i wasn't necessarily a class clown but I was what they, you know, I would call the the uh, uh, what they used to call it, joning or, uh-huh. or bagging on people. If you, you know, if you was in the lunchroom and it was going down,
0: <laughs> you were getting you that. won't
1: be on your side. Right, I was right, like, right. Rap, rap, rap. so, so, you know, I kind of, you know, was known for that. Of course, having a witty sense of humor and all that, but never really knew I can do it as a, you know, as a, as a business. So. You know, my, my thing was to go to school, you know, follow kind of my mother's instru- instructions for my life. So I went to school, got my degree and, you know, and worked at a couple of different jobs, worked at, you know, selling fax machines for Ricoh Corporation, a little a division of their company. And then, you know, and then landed at State Farm and became a claims adjuster for State Farm. And right around the same time I discovered I can do stand up. Uh, I had a friend that was another stand up. And he was doing it for a living and basically, basically told me I could do it. He was like, you could do this. Really? So he was, making, yeah. he was making a living doing it. He was out. He was out. I mean, you know, I got my corporate job thinking, feeling good about myself. Got my little tie. Right. You know, got a little cubicle at work, you know. But he was like, yo, I made 1100 this week and then I made 1400 last week. And then I'm like, whoa, doing what? He was like, I do comedy. I'm like, yo. He's like, if anybody can do this, you can so, was
0: he funnier than you? Was he you know, a talented I mean, he's
1: a talented person, you know, like say he was a pro. Was a pro that's show what I would up. say more than anything. Like, like he's show a up consistent. Pro, know how to deliver a joke, know how to make a crowd laugh, you know what I'm saying? And 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 was one of these guys that knew how to do the job, right? Knew how to stand on there and deliver and be uh-huh. a, you know, a, a, a professional comedian. So, was this back know,
0: in St. Louis or St. Louis, was, yeah. Wh-
1: when you're well, this pre- is like this. I'm gonna say this is eighty
0: seventy. Wow. somewhere in there like eighty seven. So he's making a thousand maybe. bucks a week, maybe doing stand up, Chilling it. And 70. back then, that's that's great money. That's, that's you're rich. You're rich back in St. Louis too. You're, you're right, rich. like you're rich. so he said, all right, you can do this. Yeah. And did you think or believe you could do it, or were you doubting yourself?
1: Well, you know, I always loved the idea, of entertaining. Like, you know, I, you know, I definitely did the school plays and talent shows, but mainly singing at that time. Look back in those days. I would back sing, then. I was singing groups and be really? a singer and go on stage. One of my first big jokes was Luther doing the alphabets because that was a little warm up thing I used to do. Like when I was like, you know, trying, you know, when we work out in the group and I would. At, a, B, C, D, G, H, I, J, K, L, N, o, P. So, you know. Wow, so was, you warm up was, on stage. That thing. was Yeah, that would be a, like a little warm up fun thing I would do, and I would do that on stage, you know, and then i then said, say that's how Luther got his weight problem because <laughs> all the girls be giving him snacks. Like, Luther, <laughs> Luther right. you're in the, the third grade, you wanna sing, I'll give you my peanut butter sandwich. So, oh, man. Yeah, so, so you know, and then, I, so I had a lot of little jokes like that where I would vocalize, and then, you know, he, he the same guy. Helped me shape the shaped up my set, and I know I got in a comedy competition, and the first time I ever did it, I won five hundred dollars, and that was it, uh-huh. bro. I was hooked. Five hundred dollars doing comedy at that time—that's time been
0: like this is incredible.
1: Yeah, and then so you know, bit by bit, just step, kept the job, kept working at State Farm, and then finding
0: places to be do comedy at night. So comedy was the side hustle back then. Yeah, exactly. And when was the transition where you said, okay? I can make more than my main job and I'm going to go full-time in comedy.
1: You know, it was a strategy. You know, like, again, I think, you know, I kind of, I, I definitely related to, you know, having, you know, going to college and, you know, kind of thinking about things in a more strategical way and not necessarily just wanting to, you know, kind of believe that, oh, you know, this is what I do now, you know. So uh, it was a, it was a comedy club based in St. Louis. The Funny Bones. Yeah, they used to have twenty-two clubs, and you can go twice a year. So that's forty-four dates. If I, if, but you know, you had to qualify for that. Like you had to get in their system, and they book you. And if they book you, then you know you got at least forty-four dates this year. And so that would became my goal. Right? And how much
0: so, did you make on one show? If you got forty-four dates, dude, like an this, average? this
1: kind of to your point right here. Like back then, I was the opening act, three fifty for the week. 350 a week for one night, or for the for every night? For the week. You go and you do you do nine shows. Nine, nine shows nine, for 350 bucks? Come on, man, that's what it was. And you, was you happy, you were part of the system, and you got it every week, and wow. you know you got this 350, and you would have to drive. So the only top of that, you know, it was all around the Midwest, so uh-huh. Davenport, Iowa, Des Moines, Cincinnati, Chicago. Chicago you know, Cleveland, Columbus, Ohio, right. all that run, man. So that was and, every night you were driving a new plane? Well, you stay, you stay in the city for a week. Got it. So you go there for the week, every... yeah. Then you and go then to drive every... to the next one. And man, that's a grind, go. though. That's a grind. That's what we call the road. Yeah, and most of them weeks, you know, like, you stay out because it goes from week to week. And it, you got, like, maybe three days in between, right? So that became another another hustle because... You know, the shows usually started on Wednesdays or Thursdays. Uh-huh. And then you got, so if it starts on Wednesday nights, then you got Wednesday, Thursday, two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, one Sunday maybe. And now Monday, Tuesday, you got to figure out what you're going to do. What are you doing that? You can't stay in the condo no more. That's over. Whatever, Wherever they had you staying, that's over. So now you're trying to like either drive to the next city, find a friend. Sleep on pick, a couch or pick something. On the couch, pick up a... Pick up a random show, somebody's doing a comedy night somewhere along the way. See if you can go in there and get seventy five dollars. See if you can go in there and get a hundred. You know, so somebody's got a Tuesday night in in Louisville. You drive all the way to Louisville to get get a, a hundred dollars Then drive
0: back to the Indianapolis. You know, that kind of thing, like, you know. Were you, like, sleeping in motels at those nights, or was this, you have enough money for hotels, or is it more like sleeping in the back of your car? What's happening? I slept slept in good hotel
1: parking lots. That was my move. So my mother used to be so worried about me, you know, so I had my little Ford EXP Escort, so the little coupe, the two doors, I felt like I had a sports car and some rims on it. (laughs) and they had they spin? they spin? No, no, they, 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 they wasn't doing the spinning wheels. That was too silly. The spinning wheels came way the out there. Yeah, I again. was, yeah.
0: 2000, I was, 2000. I was
1: Before that. <laughs> I was before that, just, you know, as a matter of fact, I had like some 12s and that uh, was considered rims right, at the time. Right. You know, because people didn't have, you had 12s or 14s on your car, and the inches, that was like, Ooh, right, twenty-inch wheels—that was out of them. This seemed ridiculous, you know. So, but um, and then I had like some little speakers, I had a little subwoofer, the Clareons, Clareon. yeah, with the small subwoofer, and the little Clarion speakers. Come on, man! All right, Pioneer, the system. Come on, bro. You yeah. have the Sony and the Pioneer. are
0: <laughs> it with the pullout. Of course, man. Out, amazing. Bro. So yeah. wait.
1: So you were sleeping in the back of the ho- of the yeah. Uh, host- so I would sleep parking on, yeah parking lots. You know, and I you would lay my mother laid the seat back or with the seat back. You know, had my blankets, had everything I needed in the car. You mm-hmm. know, was in there. Had my windows tinted. So I was just like finding like a cool hotel parking lot and just you know. You no, know, like, she so goes. Security wasn't trying to kick you out, or you know, I I never really ran into that situation because you know it just always kind of felt like you know maybe one maybe one time a you know right. security guard came and was like yo you got a row how many nights do you think you slept in your car oh man you know through that through that run i'm a, you know maybe you know 14 15, 14 to 20 oh. i don't know it's a, it's a blind number in there in that
0: first kind of run
1: that first little run and did then, you ever have to do that again no no you know luckily and it was interesting because timing is everything in business and in life you know that I didn't even get to do the second run of that, because you know shows like Def Comedy Jam started to happen. Um, you know, evening at the, uh, not even but uh, Showtime at the Apollo. Uh, it was another show uh, that shot in New York called Uptown Comedy, something like that. Uptown Comedy was another show. So opportunity for urban comedians to get on television and be urban like you didn't have to switch your setup and try to you know fit in Mm -hmm. uh that those things became important and then so that was the also the rise of the kind of all african-american comedy clubs too so clubs like comedy act theater all jokes aside in chicago uh it was it was comedy act theater in atlanta and here Mm -hmm. uh and then steve harvey did a club called buku ray in Dallas and well and that's where we met and and, in the first part of my run I met Steve we became partners he took me under his wing and, and then we was I was just on a different trajectory from there.
0: So you did kind of half the tour leg yeah, and then you started to get opportunities. Yeah, bigger opportunities. Is that when you met? So you met Steve at that time, and he said, "Hey, let's get you on this TV show, or let's do this other thing."
1: Well, he was just you know he kind of introduced me to the bigger world of stand up, you know. So it was like so I went from three fifty to a thousand dollar guy, you know. Like, wow, you know. So because I even even when I was doing the three fifty shows, uh, I was getting moved up. You know, like I was surprising the club owners that like, oh, you're like really good. You're you're better than. You know, the, the the, yeah, the position you're in. Really? So we're going to flip the we're going to at least flip you to the middle. And then so you go to 650. Uh, but that was good. and it was totally different. But then, you know, on the black comedy side, I was a big deal. You know, really? I was a bigger deal, more like 1, thousand fifteen hundred to come do a show for one so, night. No. Well, this was again, multiple shows. it gotcha. was comedy club work. But then, of course, you know the one night show started to come after Def Comedy Jam came out. Then pop in concerts became the, you know, how, ba- how many people are going to those? What's the audience? That's like? like you know, anywhere from three thousand to five thousand. So
0: that's, so how quickly did this happen from going to the first comedy sh- from winning the $500 yes. yeah. 3, 000, five hundred dollar competition to three thousand five thousand person arenas essentially? Yeah. How. How long that time that was? It was about. It was about. It was probably about
1: five years. Okay. Though. Yeah, it was probably a good five year kind of space in there. But again, that's fast. You know, people don't recognize that, but that's that's fast for you know comedy because, you know, if you're just building it up in the comedy club system, you got to run that ring. I would have had to be. I would have had to stay the opening act the whole run. Uh huh. Then I would have. You know, they they moved me to a middle in a couple of spots. But for the most part, I was hired as the opening act. So they would have, and then I would have had is
0: that that, 15-minute set? Is that a 10-minute, like That's a short
1: set. That's like seven minutes. Seven minutes? Seven minutes. Uh,
0: five to seven But is if you're, your max. But, if the, but you're the MC too. But if the club sees that you're killing it. And you're just getting the most last of the whole yeah. night. They're like, all right, let's move this guy, give him an extra 12, 12 yeah. minutes or something,
1: right? That's what happened. They end up moving me to the middle. But you can't really knock the headliner out, nor did I have that kind of time either. Right. Like, I was funny. I had a really good, you know, 12 to 15 minutes. You're down a 30 minute set. No, I would have panicked if I would have. <laughs> which happened to me one night because really? in one of my oh, first opening act gigs, Sam Kennison was the headliner. And and then, so it was a middle act. It was a dude that was the middle. Uh, and Sam Kennison was the headliner. He was the rock and roll Sam Kennison uh-huh. at the time. I don't know if you know uh-huh. who Sam Kennison is. So he's the yeah, yeah, he was a very famous comedian that was like yells at people and but funny like, but was a rock and roller sure. like drunk, get lit, girls, everywhere, yeah. wild drugs everything yeah yeah wild man. So so so, he was the headliner and I was the MC and then it was the middle guy and the middle guy would you know struggled. And then so I had a good set and the middle guy struggled and then Sam was in the car, in the, out in the parking lot drunk, couldn't come in. So they needed you to fill So they need me to fill in. And man, I'm up there just. Uh, Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just, <laughs> Where you yeah, guys from? Yeah, yeah like, yeah, that whole thing. Like, just, and you know, and that's not really my brand. I'm not like looking just, you know, looking just shirt and being able to, like, pull a joke out uh-huh. of it. But, but that night you just having to dig, dig, dig and then. I'm making it happen, and then he finally comes walking through the front door. Not the back. He comes walking through the front door. I'm like, oh, there he is, ladies and gentlemen. And then they, like, walking him. It's looking like I don't know what's going to happen. They walked him up on stage, and them lights hit, and he was magic. It was, he was crazy. On. It was crazy to watch. Like, he was like, you You saw him, like, oh. Come away. Yeah, and they like, boom, walking up on stage, letting Sam kiss him. I? boom, 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 chokes, joke, crazy. It was one of those wild wow. things, one of the moments I was like, that's wild to watch. Wow. that really make you love it though, somebody that's like, got that kind of spirit, kind of chappelle ass, like a person that can just walk in and just figure it out once they get there. Sure.
0: We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What was the moment where you realized, I can actually make it big? In this world, I I went to Chicago, and so you
1: know from St. Louis, Chicago of course, yeah. second city known for comedians, you know, and it was a big comedic town with a lot of great comedians that came from there, and uh, they had a, a competition called the Miller Genuine Draft Comedy Competition, and you 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 would win three thousand
0: dollars. Come on. That's big money back then, man. That's big money now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'll say three grand. You win $3,000 plus. Your uh, picture would be in a magazine. You got all these kind of extra perks. You right. got a bunch of Miller Genuine Drafts show up at your house. Sure. All these kind of cool little perks, right? But I won that. But it was inside that metropolitan area of going to St. look, I mean, going to Chicago, performing Ooh. with all these great comedians, people that, you know, have grown grown up to be legendary comedians themselves already killing the game and you realize like okay i i was able to hang and shine and win in that environment so now i believe that i got what it takes and so that's when you start to really like kind of just like all right cool this is it
0: what year or how long into the career was that was that three years in two years in? that that
1: probably was like that probably was more like two years in. Okay.
0: Yeah, somewhere in there, two to three years in. How much did it increase your confidence to say I can do anything I want in this er- arena? Oh,
1: I mean that. You know, but that's it. Because once you start to play, you know, I would imagine like for any kind of uh, you know, now sports saying guy that plays basketball, uh-huh. once you kind of go outside your neighborhood. And test your skills with the seen, the best in the yeah. city and you realize, oh, I can play with this guy that they say is the best, that's that's when you start to be like, okay. And that was good. That's wow. that's what I, you know, that was the thing. But even being able for me, like even, even for somebody like Steve to like embrace me and we would have like we would do these freestyles on stage sometimes because he just like to come up and it was his club. So he would come up and just be talking, you'd be like, yo, man you about to take the audience away from me. I'll go right. back on stage. And we had many a nice up, and just me and him doing these one, you know, one, two tag-offs. Really? And just,
0: Were you up at the same time? Yeah, at the it same like-
1: time. Like, just, you know, and it was just a unique, you know, kindred ship, partnership wow. that we developed. And so, you know, that was one of the things. Once he, you know, he started getting TV shows, you know, he was, you know, I was just always his guy. He would look out for me, like, you know, so... So when he got the Steve Harvey show, he was like, I want to say it, you know, like, so that was that. Wow. What's the the biggest lessons you've learned from Steve Harvey? You know, probably my greatest lesson, I tell this lesson all the time was, is that I was, I'd gotten in the Steve Harvey show and we went to New York to do the big showcase. And so all the agents and the big power players, the advertisers are there. And so I decided to change my set because I see the room. Uh is like kinda like all white, it's all executives. So I change Bundan, my set, yeah. yeah, button it up and I bomb. Really? I bomb. Like bomb. Oh, and yeah. it's and it's it's no one's laughing. Nobody. And it's 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 hurtful because oh, no. one, he's he's went to bat for me. Oh no. I know he went to bat for me. And one, I know that I'm funny for real. But oh. I've tried, I'm trying to do something else and Steve comes up, comes up, you know, like I'm like kind of getting, like I I see it's going horrible and I'm like, uh, let me just to... kind of like wind it down oh, and man. get how, out of here. Oh man, how long
0: was this for? Like five, ten I minutes? Mean, it was like supposed
1: a... to be, it was probably supposed to be a little ten minute set. And you and kind of bring is... it down to seven. Yeah, yeah, like... I'm like, yeah, yeah all right, <laughs> y'all, this, coming up next. It's crazy. This is wild, <laughs> man, let get out of here, so... <laughs> How many mothers? How many mothers in the house? Got to give it up for the
0: moms. <laughs> okay, so you're wider than you're bombing. Bob. So how many people are, are watching? I'm gonna say it's a room of 300 people. You and these are saying? like executives, executives decision from, makers. Yeah, like
1: you know people like New York. and New Yorkans. So oh you know, man, everybody's feeling very cosmopolitan. Steve goes up and he just. Rips them, you know, like rip, talk about they suits and they little shoes and like how they think they special in your little BMW. Oh, he murder him. They dying. They're laughing. He, they're dying. He's not, he's not, he cussing. He's not being nothing but himself, right? Like, he never. he's not trying to fix it. So he comes off and he tells him, he's like, man, you already earned it. Like, don't ever try to con- get, convince people to like you. They be you and then they'll decide wow and if they like you cool If They don't get you cool, but be yourself. is gonna be your best way And that's been that's been one of those like flagpole things that I live off of like Forget about it. Like just don't worry about it. Just go up there and be yourself if that don't work Then that's that's different, right? But you trying to change thinking you're gonna fit it so that they are gonna get you, and you're gonna, they're gonna love you because you
0: change your little way. It's kind of like, you know, it's better to bomb being yourself than bomb it's, being someone else. It's the only way to do it, right? It's the only, only
1: way to do it. It's kind of you know, like you know, like when you're dating or or you you see when people put on the false fronts. You know, they kind of, uh-huh. yeah, they're gentlemen and they do all the things. I I got a daughter, I got daughters, so I always tell oh, them like, you. be very careful in other uh, the. the, the The false front, you know, where this, you know, I'm this kind person, but look for them little keys that if a dude a yeller, if he a whiner, if he go, you know, he'll never want to pay, or any of these little things. These are telltale signs of who that person is. Wow.
0: What do you think was the biggest mindset shift you had to make through your career of transitioning from, again, State Farm Insurance, uh, go to school, get this career? How, what was the mindset shift for you and is it still the same mindset today as it was back then?
1: I think probably me, probably one of the greatest mindset shifts was to think of, not to think of yourself as um, this kind of monolith that's outside the system, that, you know, you're so far outside that nobody else can see you, right? I think we all feel like, I used to always kind of feel like you never can make it from St. Louis. You can never, you know, you know. Oh, you know, I'm not the, you know, I'm not the shiny suit dude that's gonna be, you know, like. So you start to see yourself like, ah, uh, you know, I only, I'm only gonna be able to, you know, knock down these doors. Mm. And as you kind of go, you rec, you recognize that the world is big, is is it is truly an audience out there for everyone, and you earn them. You don't, you don't. You don't get it automatically because you feel you deserve it, you earn it. And so that's, that's truly one thing that I keep to this day. I literally am willing to work for, go grab, go hustle for, mm-hmm. and build every little thing that comes my way. I've not, I'm not resting on any laurels. I'm not resting on any hubris. You can give me all the accolades of everything you love. That's great, thank you. Um, right now, I'm here to do a job today for you, wow. like to get that, If whoever's paying the money, come here for you, let's go.
0: You still feel like you gotta earn it.
1: I earn it, I wanna earn it. Wow. So that's the thing that I take, I, I take uh, as, you know, and I try to teach that to my kids too is that, you know, you can you can be great, you know, you can get a lot of things that's gonna come your way that's gonna feel like, hey, you know, and after a while, your celebrity, your starter makes you feel like that it's, this should be Mind automatically and you got to recognize that that's not a truth
0: did that, did that ever hang you up over the last you know decades where you became more of a celebrity and had bigger opportunities and got the bigger paychecks did you ever catch yourself thinking you were better than or now you deserve something and you had to wake up and say oh I actually got to keep working for this oh of course I mean no, this is the you
1: know I would imagine, you know, e everybody's gonna have that as trajectory happens, right? Especially when it when it's when you're in the hot spot, when you're in that white hot space where things are just blowing up and you like going then you like, all right, cool, it's things that you need. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like these are things that I feel are requirements for me to get the job mm. done. And then you kinda of, then you kinda of realize, really? Do yeah. I really
0: need... Do I really know it's green i it Yeah, stuff. is that a
1: necessary... <laughs> like, I can't do the show unless yeah. I don't have... Come on, man. You start to go, like, that's ridiculous. Right. Like, you know, now I never was that far, but it, but anything along that oh, line, little cool. little things that become, like, you know, you know, hotels, if I don't have a suite, if I don't right. have a, you know, this kind of car, you know, like, you you like, okay, this is ridiculous. Right. You know, like, that's, you know, so... Those those are those are moments, and that I think true. that you you know life will humble you one way or the other. Yeah, and so because it, it is truly a an ebb and flow to it all. You know, it's always somebody next. It's always you know I, I feel very blessed to be consistent. What I feel consistent for, as long as I am thirty plus years in this business, S- super highs. You know, of course, down periods, but overall consistent. Like yeah. you know. Great career, good life, nothing, no, no scandals.
0: You know, You're like just consistent. Do my thing, man. Like this me. Uh-huh. This. How do how do how do you feel? You mentioned kind of. There's always someone next. There's always like. It seems like there's so many talented comedians or people in comedy um, who are making a name for themselves, growing massive social media followings selling out arenas all these different things how do you deal with comparison of the younger generation coming up maybe they're doing things differently or in a new way how do you deal with that emotionally or mentally even with all your success even with you know being on the hollywood walk of fame even with all the accolades does comparison ever creep in i
1: mean you know i think it it creeps in to the point that it you know for me is either a motivator or uh something I applaud. Most of the time I just I love to see people win. Like, you know, and if you win in and you you literally your food your food and your plate is yours, you know? And people who have learned to be able to be great at that, uh, especially like, you know, the the rise of the social media fame and and you like, look, these guys are they're unique, they they do these skits, they wake up, and they actually do the work, right? So you can't be mad at somebody that actually gets up and do it, like they do it. They shoot them, I don't shoot them. So I, what, I, what I'm gonna sit up and critiquing it, that ain't real comedy, right. but I never tried one, I never did it myself, I don't do it every day, I don't go and work to build an audience, so what am I critiquing? Something right. that I'm just observing, you know what I mean, and got opinion, like, go, you win and kill right. it, you know, and then you meet. I've met a lot of these guys, and you know, the funny, unique, young people, and they motivate you. Now you start to think a different way, and so, you know, that's really been my space. I, I try to really stay true to who I am, so I actually develop with a lot of young mm. creators to that's get smart. them bigger projects, you know? Your social media's your thing, but you know, I'm, I'm in the world of television and film, yeah, let's take that idea and develop it into a bigger idea. And those are the relationships I have with them as opposed to being anti or
0: hating on that's or whatever weird. that, yeah. Have you always had this collaborative mindset versus being a competitor to people in the industry?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I kind of feel like that's a Midwest uh-huh. thing in a way. It's a very much like, you know, uh, because we, we all kind of feel like we we're you know we we're, we're here together in our own little niche you know and so there's a lot of like you know help help the other dude up come on up and then we all go right yes. so so that's always been my thing i love that environment better i i much rather be with a group of my friends and and family doing something than than to be the only one doing it yeah. you know what i mean of like course. you know so, we gonna go on vacation, like, you know, like, yeah, let's figure out how we all can do uh-huh. it. Like, sure, I can stay in the Four Seasons, but if everybody can stay in the Western,
0: hey, let's go that's there fun. then, <laughs> let's go, it's
1: gonna be more fun, yeah, like, absolutely. you know, right? You know, sure, but
0: that's different, so like, yeah. What would you say is your biggest limitation uh, after 30 years in this business? Do you have any limitations?
1: Uh, you know, I think, you know, for the most part, you know, this industry is is one that, you know, you, you, you have to, you got, you have to be in the deal flow in a lot of ways. So, you know,
0: what does that mean? That,
1: that means like, you know, when, when, when movies are happening, TV shows are happening, people have to kind of know who you are. Right. And if you're hot, that's one thing. If you've cooled off then you have to prove that you're worthy that's a different thing like as you get older so because you know you you kind of see that in this business always hot is always considered next right the next the next dude is the it thing and then you hit your apex of that right and now you can't ride that forever right now you have to make sure that people understand that you are something that's consistent and it's still worth value it's a very interesting space in this town so you you have to kind of, you know, that's why, you know, like for me, like doing the neighborhood, doing a television show, end up being a smart move as opposed to struggling to continue to try to be a movie star. Really? Right, you know, cause I had a bunch of movies and the movies did okay. Some of them did great and then some of them were hits. But if you do like just all right, then
0: it's hard it to kind of they start to say, "Well, yeah, a let's
1: go to the new dude, right?" Because movies is a is a kind of a hit thing. Television is consistent. You're on, wow. and so you know that's a strategy for me. It's like I did that wisely, and I did it for my kids. It was a couple because movies took you. Everywhere you we yeah, you know, we would shoot. Gone for three months. Yeah, in, yeah. in Prague. you in Australia. You everywhere. You like and it was fun when you're young, but you know. And then when my kids were young, because they were young enough to. But when when they started getting school age and got schedules, then you know now you go on three months, four months, and you're missing out on a lot of life. You know you're mm-hmm. missing out on a lot of the world. You come home, you know, and and they're like, "You, oh, I'm sorry, sir. Can I help you?" <laughs>
0: You don't recognize you yeah, anymore, yeah. Your dad, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> right. Please go to your room. Right. Yeah, they block my son, blocking me now. Let's sure. So you, you know, the goal was what I'm, what I think I'm hearing you say is the goal was okay. Let me transition from one thing to the next. And movies was kind of the apex opportunity for for a comedian, I sure, guess. Right. Yeah. Movies and TV. Yeah. But, but movies was, were big, yeah. Movies was kind of the, like all right. If you're in the movies, that's the biggest thing. Um. And what I'm hearing you say is, if if you're not riding at high consistently, or the next hottest thing constantly growing up, then for you is like, well, let's try to make sure that TV I can get the consistent gig for my lifestyle, my family, but yeah. also to really stay—I don't want to use the term relevant, but worthy of being in the industry at this high level consistently. Yeah, right. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It, it became a you know a, a, a smarter. Strategy because you know becoming a a TV star, you're in homes every week, Mm -hmm. and you're in the home. People go to the theater, which is kind of you know Denzel kind of explained that really great, and I thought that was it was really wise. When somebody sees you on a hundred foot
0: screen, you're a big. too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. deal. You know, when I come into your when I come into your home, I'm a family
1: member. Mm. So it's the thing of like, you know, people seeing you and actually feeling like they know you already. And I get that that reaction a lot. You know, somebody can just be doing their thing and they look over and they be like, say it Yeah. And they'll say it like I'm their man, like and I'll be like, What's up? you will be like, No, no, you I just know you <laughs> <laughs> But the way they said it, you're yeah, like yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. But it's that it's that real familiar nature of
0: like you're sitting in your own living room and this person is a part of it, right? Is there a different energy to when someone sees you as a movie star versus when someone sees you as a TV star? Oh, for sure. Yeah, Really? Yeah, yeah. Where it's more of like they feel like they know you, you're part of the family when you're on TV yeah. versus movie. It's more of like shock and awe when you see yeah. them? Or?
1: Yeah, the the movie energy is way bigger for some reason. It's more of the... The kind of screams and pandemonium energy, you know, gasps. Yeah, like it's a little more shocking. I feel like you know, and you and you react that way a lot. You know, you know, even as a human being, you can react that way to people that you 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 see in a movie. Like they just kind of like, you know, I saw uh, Ewan McGregor one time, and and like you know, and I was like, really, you yeah. hey, oh hey man, <laughs> what's up, dog? Really. You had to play it off though, but it was oh, like, wow. because you're watching the film and you, you know, the film just seems like they're really far away. And I mean, I'm in the industry, but it's one of these things like uh-huh. when that person like right up on you, it just caught me like, like totally different. Like I was like, yo and you know, but you see a TV star and you know them, they feel familiar and you kind of talk to them in a more familiar way. It's yeah, just a yeah. different experience you're having with them because you're, you're at home, you're watching them in the bed, you watching them. On the <laughs> tees,
0: I mean, you know? On the toilet, yeah, you're, you're, t- watching, you're watching on your phone in the toilet. You know, you're just like you're going to the bathroom. Just, I mean, hey, Paul Giamatti, what's yeah, up, yeah. man? I'm a big, fan. <laughs> I'm a <laughs> big fan of Billions, bro. Oh, man. What's up? Billions is great. I love that show. Yeah, he does amazing in that show. Yeah, well, he's, yeah, him. he's he,
1: he he's one of those great dudes that you know. Again, you saw him in movies early on, uh-huh. but again, made some really cool transitional. You know moves to see as an actor. And that's what I like, I love about you know the space nowadays with both streaming and the way it is done. You don't have to be locked into either. It used to be a time if you're gonna be a movie star, you can't be a TV star. really? Yeah, you can't be both. like you gotta you know movie stars needed to stay movie stars but now you know great actors can find a really good movie they love and then they can also find a really great character on television. You know, such as like what we're talking about, yeah, yeah. and and run that, and be like yo, and you, and be just as beloved and just a big deal. And wow. so, you know, I you know, I think I can't even think in the uh, what's his name, Brian. I love the 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 character on uh, Succession, the dad. That's incredible. But you know, like I mean, he was a big movie dude, and he had that brand. But on Succession is where you see him go like now that uh, man, it's deeper. Is, yeah, yeah, man. That dude can get down.
0: Fruit That's man. acting right there, it's baby. Incredible. Yeah. Speaking of fame, what have you learned about fame over the last thirty years? You know, you've ridden the wave of fame. Yeah. for thirty years, yeah, different man. stages and seasons and heights. Yeah. What has fame taught you? And. What do you think people don't understand about fame who want to be famous? Mm, That's that's
1: a good one right there. I mean, for me, probably is um, the false sense of finance fame gives you. Fame makes you think you're rich. You're not, you know, like you can be famous and don't have the money to back it up. Be broke. Yeah, so I think that's one of the real things that I feel like, and I saw that kind of early on for, with people I thought was famous when I first started to kind of get into the business and you thought you, you knew that you knew that they were famous. But then you saw the financial side and you realize like, oh, I believe that you were all of these things, not realizing that your fame can get you caught up because you think that that is enough to be famous is enough to take care of everything else. And so you do have to understand that inside the fame, you got to go to work. You got to be humble. You got to have connections. You got to stay busy. You got to stay aggressive. You got to still strategize about who you are. And you can't give your fame over to the machine. That's the other thing. What does, Which that, is mean? The, what does that mean? This is most people, they kind of work very hard to build their careers. You know, you... You, you, you know, as a stand-up, you build your stand-up, you travel, you do around. What I did, you, you go to all these clubs, you grind it puzzles, out. Yeah, you grind, yeah. and then I get one TV show, and I believe that the agents, the managers, the lawyers in the town know me better than I know me. Oh my And gosh. I give it up. I give it. I give it over yeah. to the machine. Don't get me started on this, right? Like, oh, yeah, this is like. You trust them because yeah. you believe. Oh, you guys are the experts. They know. They're doing this like, for they so know. Long. And if you have any little pop, and they and they were a part of it in any way, then they make you think it was because of them. And now you kind of like you don't do your part anymore. You you show up as the commodity, not as the you know, not as this this thing that's there to do the work, like yeah. you know, to, to build it off, to shape it, to so only you know great creators and and people who really grind you know you'll see people that you know that that's able to do a number of things and that comes from their hustle that's what i would say for me i you know i'm i'm stand up on movies i'm television i did broadway i do i write books i you know i'm not gonna be in your box bro like i'm not in none of those boxes i can do it all i do side businesses you know, I, I'm I'm a I'm an entrepreneur. I'm I'm not sitting around
0: like counting on that I'm famous. Mm-hmm. So and even just saying, okay, I only do TV and and that yeah. TV is going to be around forever for me. I' right. are always going to get a show. Or I think a lot of people can get stuck in that if they're not willing to not diversify but have other projects going on as well the, yeah. the main thing. Also,
1: yeah, no, for sure. And I think that that's important, and, you know, and you put family on top of all of that too. Like I got a great family. I've been married, well, um, well, coming about 24 years, got kids, wonderful, good house, good life, good wife, all of those things, good friends. All those things are important to the ecosystem. And so fame can oftentimes make you feel like all those people, oh, to be a part of that. Really? Yeah, you know, I mean, you've seen it, you Uh know. It's kind of a a very telltale Hollywood story when people get extra famous, they started to kind of believe it's all them. But that's what kind of fame will lead to. The friends and family
0: or the person? Both. Yeah, Yeah,
1: The the person
0: Uh usually
1: believes it's all them and then the friends and family have to fit into that. And you know, and if they don't, then that's why divorce is big and that's why, you know, you know kids are you know all separated and don't know your dads and
0: it's it's a very hollywood tale how have you navigated that obviously being from the midwest i think might have might have helped support you with those roots and the values that you grew up with but yeah. how have you stayed happily married yeah. have kids that are grown and still want to be in your life right. and like you yeah um and without and also navigated i'm assuming that for thirty years there have been people and friends and family who said, I want money, I need this, I yeah. need, you know, give me this, I deserve this now. How do you navigated those elements of friends and family maybe wanting something from you at different times and you just being okay with all of it or navigating that? Yeah, I think, you know, again it's a combination
1: of being honestly you know, being, you know, true to who you are. Kind of go back to that Steve Harvey, you know, untrust that part, like, so, you know, people gotta earn, and they gotta, you know, they gotta earn their space around me. So, you know, uh, you know, yes, is there some, you know, benevolent behavior for, you know, certain family members that you just take care of and love and give it to them, you know, yeah, but most people, you want them to, you know, learn to be self-sufficient and independent and, and if they're going to be a part of this, they got to come truly come in and contribute. Mm. And so find find the space for that. Earn it. Show me something. I value add value. Add value. And if you can add value, then, you know, good. We'll figure out how to make that work. And I think that that kind of goes on all around. Again, you kind of say that to your kids. Y'all wake up every day. Y'all got this beautiful home. You got all these things. What do y'all bring to the table? Really? What y'all do? Yeah, just keep. <laughs> right. So good right. grades is a part of your thing. Right. Uh, chores, being a, yeah, yeah. being a kind person and a good—that's a part of what you offer to the family. You don't you you don't you don't do none of those. You gonna be a jerk. You gonna be a, you know mean to people. Then you know then you gonna have to have a talk with me. Like that's wow. not. So what is your contribution until you become an adult? Until you, you know, get a skill set or something you love where you can start earning money. You know, you know, but you know. I always say that, I, I got a scholarship program and I tell the kids, that's what I, my scholarships are loans. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yes, you can go to school, but like, if you quit, I want my money back. Wow. It's a joke, but All that's right, what right, I right. but I but I say that to All let on. people know, there's no real free money. Like, people can take that attitude. Like, if I if I do something for you and you, you, you decide like, ah, I'm not gonna do it, then uh, you know, hey.
0: Am I right? Show me the money
1: pack. Yeah, run that back, right? Yeah, you don't get to just yeah kick it,
0: (laughs) right? Yeah, you got to deliver on something. Yeah, um, you have a a number of things happening right now, which I love about you because you're you're multi talented. You're not just on TV or just doing one project. You're creating a lot. Uh, Flipping box, flipping box cars. is the book that is about to drop. Can you explain a little bit about this book and why you're deciding to do a book right yeah, now? Yeah, man. So, Flipping
1: Box Cars is a novel, and it's a novel uh, loosely based on my machinations of my grandfather that I never met, okay? So, this is my father's mother who I would just, as I started to climb in my career, he would pop in my head sometimes with... Never like, met him. Never met him. He would say things to me and I could see how he's dressed. I can I knew what he smelled like. And he would have these cool sayings about, you know, the suit don't make the man, but it makes the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd be like, Okay. Oh. You know, like you know, was like and I would wake up and be like, Oh, you know, even if it was a daydream, I would just have that and I'd write it down. I was like, Yo And so I would have I had these for a long time. And so uh When I had the opportunity, they asked me, did I want to write a book? And I said, I got this novel idea about my grandfather. I never met him, but I have these little tidbits. I got little stories from my mother, little stories from my uncle, but I see him as a whole character. Wow. So we created this fictionalized tale and made him the center of it. So it's... Little true and a fictional tale. Interesting. So, and, and that's what flipping boxcars is. And it's so much fun, man, because I, of course I had to go in and dig up some family history and go back and do some research and all that was great. And then at the same time, get to tell this imaginative story of someone in the 1940s. If he could have been me, he would have been. That's what that's basically Why what I feel be? is the connection is that he was a person that you know you know the world was totally different he was in a small southern town in missouri where you know as a black man there's only so much you can do but if he could have literally been who he wanted to be he would have been his whole self like me like a person that's like i can't be stopped by nothing like and and i don't have nobody stopping me you know so i can literally get up in the morning and try and try to do things and not do things and it's on me. Like, wow. nobody's saying, say, hey, you can't do that. So, in 1948, 1948, 1948, we based the story around that. Wow. Uh, the 4th of July, he used to host this, but he was, he was a, he was a gambler, uh, like a famous gambler shooting dice. And back in those days, dice players were uh, likened to the poker players we know today uh, like uh, how we know famous poker players right. like like wow. then but dice players were known people knew these guys uh, you know Blackie Johnson and right. babe boys <laughs> they were known like they would be on they would be on billboard like on really? the, the 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 flyers that uh-huh. you stick on a light pole like that and yeah. say they're coming to town to gamble you like so so my grandfather was one of those guys he also had a business with my grandmother they had a a cafe in this place called the Sportsman Hall, that also had a, a a big banquet room in the back that they would turn into a casino certain nights of the week, wow. and and then he was friends with the sheriff, and these were real things, and so I took huh. that whole story and tell this this uh, made a caper, and so flipping box cars is about dice, and so uh you know two a pair of sixes is the box is considered the boxcar. Oh, cool. And yeah. then on the diet then it's uh it's a whiskey caper going on because they're moving liquor. He and his partner the sheriff are doing this big caper and they have to do it with the trains. So the the boxcars on oh, the oh train. Yeah, that's yeah, so yeah. you flip the boxcars, yeah. it's a whole little thing that's going on. Wow, ah, it's cool. And and so it's a great story. We had so much fun writing it. And uh, Harper College, uh, and Harper College is putting it out September twelfth. People go check it out, uh, man. And it, it, it was special and a real great
0: journey for me to like allow that, that kind beautiful. of creative come out. You know, that is beautiful. You know, it's interesting. it Reminds me, my uh, my great great grandfather wrote a book about wrote just the history of his life, and we have it in a book format. Yeah, I think like twenty people have read it in our family, but I have this historical data of what life was like back in the 19, early 1900s yeah. from a grandfather's perspective. And I'm, it makes me want to go back and read through this and really dig in and see what yes. his perspective was. So I appreciate you yeah, man. doing Good. that. But I want people to get the book, Flipping Boxcars. We'll have it linked up. We'll put a graphic up. Make yeah. sure you guys grab a few copies of that for some friends. Uh, that's really cool, man. I'm glad you're doing that. Yeah. Um, You've also got a show on uh, A&E, called kings of barbecue i love the nod <laughs> the kings of comedy yeah. but uh amazing stuff so people can watch that it's saturday nights on a and e it's all barbecue related stuff yeah. you've got an amazing brand also out there called ac barbecue which is in walmart and i think it'll be in other places yeah. soon as well sauces rubs more things so look for ac barbecue i think it's a brilliant thing you know that you're matching media and your own business and brand which i think is brilliant that you're not just thinking I'm a talent and I'm just going to do talent work. Yeah. But you're building businesses, you're building products, you're adding value to your community and and extending and using media to promote these things. I think it's really smart how you've strategized your career and your business mindset through the process. It's really impressive. Mm -hmm. Then you also have you're in the sixth season of The Neighborhood, which you're I believe you're an executive producer. Yeah, 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 executive Executive producer producer on the show as well, which is hilarious. Um, I think I told you I used to I used to do CrossFit with Max like ten years ago, almost for like every day. So funny guy. Um, This is probably like just a tenth of what you're doing. Yeah, but it's amazing uh, everything that you're up to. So I want people to check out flipping boxcars. Yeah, you can order that now. Uh, I want you to check out Kings of Barbecue if you wanna laugh and see barbecue on yeah. Saturday nights A and E and then the neighborhood. Yeah, man. We can't get enough of you, man. Yeah. We need more. <laughs> you got so much other great stuff, but where can yeah. we follow you just to see everything else that you're working
1: on? Yeah, yeah, you can follow me. Uh, you know, uh, my IG is said the entertainer. You look for the blue check down. On IG, and then uh, I am Cedric is my website that kind of has everything. Uh, and then I, you know, and I know that you know I'm on Facebook and Twitter Everywhere. and all the. But all your the website and Instagram is, are kind of yeah, like the yeah, main. Yeah, that's places. what
0: I mainly rock with. Okay, Cedric yeah. the Entertainer. Yeah, I am Cedric. Yeah. Uh, dot com. Yeah. As well, we'll have all the stuff linked up. Has, yeah, it has all the other links to everything. Amazing, there. man. We'll make sure to link all the stuff yeah. in the show notes too. But this is powerful. I've got. Two final questions for you. Uh, This is a question I ask everyone towards the end of my interviews called The Three Truths. Okay. So it's a hypothetical scenario, hypothetical question. Imagine you get to live as long as you want. Okay. As long as you want. And you get to continue to live your life the way you envision it. Family, friends, career, it all goes the way you want it. Uh, But for whatever reason, in this hypothetical scenario, it's the last day on earth for you. You got to turn the lights off and you can't leave anything behind that you've created so flipping box cars any other book this interview kings of comedy all the tv shows you've done and gonna do the movies for whatever reason they're, they're gone but you get to leave behind three lessons to the world so without having access to your content anymore you get to leave behind three final truths Okay, and this is all we would have to remember you by what would be those three lessons you would leave behind or those three truths for the world? Oh, man.
1: I think that, well, nobody can be you but you. Mm. So trust that your DNA is necessary, is an individual thing, and that it is a, a, it's a reason to be. Mm. You're you. Trust that part. Mm. Um, be a good citizen. I think that yeah, you, we just live in a space where civility, understanding, sensitivity to others what their circumstances is is super important. If I can give you th- that as a citizen, you just you live and I'm a, I'm civil, we good. Like don't come don't come over here with your nonsense. I won't come over there with mine. And then um and then you know, laugh, man. Mm. Laugh, man. Just try to get get a good laugh here, man. That's, that's it. Find 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 a way to laugh, man. In life, and, and 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 find joy. That's that's the those are the things I think are really important, man. Like you know, if you can you can have those moments, those those they they lift you and they help you rise. They heal you. Mm. And, you know, they always say laughter is a good medicine, but really, you know, that, that good laugh is one of those things that can really change the trajectory on a rainy day, on a sad day, on anything. So figure out how to get you a good laugh. Mm.
0: Those are good truths. I love that. Uh, before I ask the final question, Cedric, I want to, I want to acknowledge you for a moment. Like I did in the beginning for Man, you showed up for, again, the St. Louis community. You showed up for the country in so many different ways. You bring healing energy through your entertainment, your laughter, your ability to be creative and, and bringing people together through your way of being. So I just want to acknowledge you for your consistency. It's, I don't think people realize how challenging it is to show up at the level you do for 30 plus years. Yeah. And do it with a good heart a kindness to you, a good energy, um, a, a consistent creativity to you. So I really want to acknowledge you for being a leader in this entertainment world, in comedy and beyond the way you've done it. It's been uh, really inspiring to, to grow up watching you, to know you now, and to see you continue to thrive. Huh? So big I, up, man. I acknowledge That's you, man. man, I acknowledge you. It was big. My final question, what's your definition of greatness?
1: Definition of greatness, man. That's a that's a that's a really interesting one, man. Because I think you have to. I think my definition of greatness would be to be excellent, and then one step past that. Mm. Like so, be as be as excellent as proficient, be as you know unique as you can in the as a person as an individual, and then. To be great, you got to somehow cross step right past that mm. and you know it's a, it's a thing that's uh, so that that means that that means that you even when you are excellent when you are at the the top that you've, you, you' you've decided that I can actually put something else in the world that will that everybody else can now aspire to the line has changed. And that's what that's what greatness is. It moves the, it moves the line. It moves the line up to where now we got to keep going. Cause if we all right here, that's dope. We killing it. But that one person that did that, you like, oh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know we can go there. Right. And then and you keep doing it. and now, that's what
0: greatness brings about.